Oh boy. Um yeah, hey guys. Mark and James, Mets the Podcast, here to talk about the Tiger series. You could probably hear the hesitation in my voice a little bit because this is not a fun one. This is not a fun episode to talk about. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bring the heat. I'm not gonna bring the energy like I normally do when they're when we're feeling great by any means. But we do have to talk a little bit about what happened. Uh, not the best baseball played this past, I guess, technically two days because of the rain out. But these days in Detroit have been pretty, pretty miserable. So me and James are going to go ahead and talk to you guys about what we're feeling, what's going on, keep it real with you guys, um, and then talk about the Rockies and stuff. We're going to keep this one pretty short. There is not too much to talk about. Justin Verlander first start. That's pretty much the big spining or shining, sparkling thing to uh, address here. But James, what's up, man? How we feeling? Uh, not that good. I don't know. Yeah. Watching the Mets just lose these three games of the Tigers back to back to back was, it was tough. It was really difficult, especially coming after the last two series they played at home against the Braves and Nationals. This is, this is one of the lowest episodes we've ever recorded for the Messed Up Podcast. Yeah, they have lost nine of their last eleven. Um, not to you know really beat a dead horse here, but they've they've not been playing good baseball over the last two weeks. And not really necessarily sure what exactly is the cause or the issue. Seems like some days the pitching isn't there. Some days the hitting isn't there, like we saw on Wednesday against Eduardo Rodriguez or Josiah Gray in series past. But there's definitely just not the greatest of vibes right now in Mets world. Uh, definitely, especially on the social media side of things. Uh, and it's it definitely is not. We we like doing the podcast episodes where we're excited. We're like, hey, we just we swept this team. We beat the Dodgers. Like those are the episodes we live for. The episodes where we get swept up against the Tigers, who are without a doubt one of the worst teams in baseball. And I know like people are using that sad about how the Tigers are, I think, eleven and three or twelve and three against teams outside of the American League East this year. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you look up and down that roster, it's it's a bad team. So they're really there is no excuse for getting swept to the Tigers. Like they they just straight up played better baseball, and that's something that should not happen. No, and like you, that's the thing. You say that you look for something you can change, or this this gets fixed, and we're okay. But there isn't that like one thing we can't fix right now. It's just every single day something else, and that's that's like kind of the most frustrating part as a fan. That like you watch this team and you know what they're capable of, and you know how well you've seen them play over the last few years, and you're like, wow, it's just it's just not there right now. It's just not happening. It's been a real kick in the nuts to a certain group of Mets fans <laughs> that are also Rangers fans this week, with the Rangers getting knocked out of the playoffs. And the Mets getting swept by the Tigers. It has been uh, not a great week for very specific New York sports fans, uh, especially John. John's like, hey, come on, man. That's taking shots at me. That John, listen, James is a Rangers fan too. Everybody's hurting, not feeling great. And it was a week that should have been really, really exciting. Really exciting. Like, especially in Mets world with Scherzer and Verlander coming back, Verlander making his debut. We'll talk about that a little bit more in depth uh, a little bit later on this episode. But Scherzer came back, and I don't know if it's because of the the time off, if it was the weird, funky schedule that's been going on, the weather. We know that you know Scherzer's very particular about like his workout routine and the days off and stuff in between, and that got pushed like awkwardly because of the the rain delay or not the rain delay because of the uh, postponement. But he obviously wasn't sharp. I think there's there's no way around it. He did not pitch to the Max Scherzer levels, and he even addressed it uh, you know after the game, talking about how he just didn't necessarily feel good. Uh, something that we definitely need to hopefully adjusts and, and gets to the point where we get the old Max Scherzer, Cy Young Galbraith pitcher back. Yeah, and Scherzer himself did address it pretty contritely after the game, basically saying, like, I just it didn't I didn't have it. I didn't have the ticks. Like, I was I was throwing 92. I want to get that tick or two higher. That's where he was last year. And him identifying that and saying that is the reason, very, very obviously and emphatically to the media. I guess that, 
that's meaningful in some way. But like that, that home run that Matt Vierling hit was just 92 right down the middle. Yeah. Like almost every single hitter in Major League Baseball is going to be able to turn that one around. And the other thing that's interesting about Scherzer's star, just to talk about pitching for a second here and make myself try to feel better, is that, that while that fastball was a thing he referenced after the game that was getting the ticks, like that was also the only pitch that was getting any swings and misses. Like his sliders didn't have the bite. He wasn't locating the fastball or the slider or the cutter or the changeup. Haas hit a home run the slider that was like on the outer edge. It looked like if a Max Scherzer puts a slider there, usually you can't get that much bad on it. Uh, the only whiff he got in the whole game with the slider was Javi Baez, and those whiffs don't count, even though he had two <laughs> runs off us in the series. Because, of course, uh, that was we, the lock of a lifetime. We tried. We tried so hard. We didn't say it. We knew, though, that it was coming. We are like, Javi Baez. Also, the balls did feel like they were flying a little bit out in, in Detroit, didn't they? Yeah, a little bouncy, a little bouncy. You, I mean, you. this is on you. You chastised the cavernous Detroit. They moved those fences significantly in, and then Eric Haas and Matt Vierling hit putting the ball out. To be fair, they hit it to the part where those fences were moved in. They hit it down the lines. All the home runs were down the lines. Would have been nice if the Mets could have gotten a couple more home runs down the line. No, Lindor got that home run, which was good to see earlier. And Ed, Ed Famicana did in game one on Tuesday, um, on Wednesday. Like the Mets were hitting the ball a little bit when the series began, and then just ended on Wednesday, on Thursday with Eduardo Rodriguez looking like Sandy Kovacs. Just every single pitch exactly where it had to be. Eight innings, just no base runners. It was, it was almost. I don't know. It just felt like a fever dream. It was a very confusing game to watch because this is a team that, like, doesn't swing and miss a lot, doesn't strike out a lot. Like, granted, the Mets, we knew that this team, like, power-wise was not going to be one of the top in baseball. We knew that power wasn't necessarily their strong suit, but, like, contact, putting the ball in play, making pitchers work was. And Eduardo Rodriguez got through this game in eight innings with, like, 100 pitches. It felt like the plan that the Mets normally go to just, like, wasn't working and they tried to do something else maybe. I don't know. It's it's weird when you see a team with guys like Brandon Nimmo, Marte, Lindor, even Alonzo McNeil, like guys who don't strike out, and there's just like a lot of swing and misses, a lot of just confusion from what it looked like at the plate. It was a pretty ugly 18 innings of baseball since game one. Like game one was tough because it was a close game that lost because of a, a ball here, a ball there. But game two and three, like relatively speaking, the, tig- the Tigers gave it to the Mets. Yeah, for sure. I mean, they gave it to the Mets pretty bad too, and I was against... Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander. That's, again, yeah. continuously the most frustrating part. Shout out to Jimmy Bonus in game one, though. Like, he he did everything he could. Lucchese was getting hit kind of hard, and then Buck said after the game that there's no starter right now for Sunday because of the the rain out from Tuesday and the doubleheader Wednesday. So he limited uh, Lucchese to four innings, like 46, 50 pitches, trying to get it back out there. And Bonus walked out there and threw three perfect innings. 31 sinkers at 35 pitches. They all looked amazing. He got the pitching ninja treatment. It was nice that he did that, and it did feel like that first game. It does feel like, which is the worst part about a series like this, where you feel the butterfly effect. Like, if the Mets get out of that game Tuesday afternoon with a victory, this whole series could go differently. I don't I don't know. Max, it, seems like, it seems like Max Scherzer didn't have it like at all, so maybe he'd still lose that game. But just feel like the feeling really changed when the Tigers grabbed that lead off Adam Alvino in the eighth inning, and it was like, oh, man. And I felt really good, too, because, like, the Mets went down early from Lucchese giving up those home runs or the, the runs in the first. And then the Mets did answer back, which was, like, that was, like, okay, okay. Like, that made me take, like, a deep breath. That game was tough. Like you said, the Marte ball that maybe could have been caught in right field. He took a step back. He was playing really deep. The ball dropped in. You saw the tweets all over the place, I'm sure. You guys about the, the catch probability and whatnot. It was just, like you said, when that inning kind of happened, it felt like something a little bit changed, and you saw it play out what seemed like in the next game, and then on game three on Thursday, which we're now talking about. I don't know. Uh, the vibes are a little down. Vibes are a little down. Hopefully coming back to New York, playing the Rockies, things can change. Um, you know, we got Buck, who's, who's a veteran manager for a long time, so get these guys right. I know he talked a lot 
to the press after the game, had a bunch of different comments to say. And I, I think everyone at least acknowledges that they're playing poorly. And I don't think it's like a, uh, like anybody's hiding behind the fact of like, oh, this is just April. I think there's like a, a thought around just the entire thing about like, we need to play better. This, this is not okay. This is not acceptable. April isn't the excuse because the Tigers are not a very good team. I mean, that's what it is. Yeah, and then you also look, because, like, you try to look at this whole, like, bad stretch as a whole. Like, the end of that Giants series, Nationals, Braves, Tigers. You look, and, like, that's, like, three of the four series the Mets have played this year against teams that are under 500. Now, the Marlins, as of recording this on Thursday afternoon, have climbed above 500. And you look, and you're just like, wow, it's so frustrating that the worst baseball that we've played is against teams that are worse. Like, you show, and again, the, the Brave series, whatever, that was a weird series. They played a half a game on Friday in a weird doubleheader where they truthfully could have won both games. Like, that series, you almost feel like you have to flush it just because of how bizarre the timing of it was. But you look at the rest of that those series, and you're like, these are just games that you like, you are better than that team. You have better yeah. players. Buck did answer a question about that heading into the series. Like, can't treat anybody like that. We can never think like that. You start thinking like that is how it gets ahead of you. But it's just, oh, God, it gets me so, it's so frustrating that, that's just that's when we have played our worst baseball this season. Yeah, it's a weird place to be with the schedule that we've had that the Mets are 500 right now. It's it's a very uneasy feeling, and I can I can feel with you Mets fans at home who are probably a little more irate than me and James uh, per se with your reactions of what's going on. To be fair, we've had some time to sit on this sit on this and think as well and talk through it. I think if you record this after the game, you feel different sometimes. But give yourself a you know an hour or two to think about what's going on. And your vibes change. But yeah, like it's just whatever happened in this Tiger series, whether it was the rain, whether it was the cold, whether the fact that it felt like you were playing AAU baseball because there was like 60 people in the stands. If Just to talk about the vibes there for a second. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The stadium was extremely empty. The camera angles were so weird on SNY. I looked at both SNY and compared it to the Detroit broadcast. I don't know what cameras SNY got, but they were like incredibly zoomed in incredibly zoomed in where the Detroit ones were more zoomed down. My dad's like, Detroit looks like a band box. And I was like, no, it's because the camera was zoomed. And like, even like Gary, Gary was like, he was, you know, making some calls here and there. It wasn't necessarily a sharpest. It was just, it was an off series for everybody around the Mets. It seemed like, and hopefully we can put this behind us because we cannot continue to play pace ball like this and be a successful team. And I, I, I'm not going to pretend like I'm not like everything's okay and fine, but I know that this team is not bad. They had a bad series. They played bad. But if you're someone who thinks that this is a bad team because of these three games or what you've seen over the last 10, I think that would be a little naive. Like, there are – this team is still good. They still have good players. Yeah, this team is good and they have good players, but they just they just quite literally have to play well. And this series was in itself weird just from, like, a logistics standpoint where yeah. you had a series that was ending on a Monday. It wound up ending on Monday with a doubleheader. So you wound up leaving much later than you ever intended. You get in there. You get to the ballpark. You get rained out again. And you have a doubleheader on a Wednesday. Then you leave on a travel day on a Thursday. You immediately come back home. Like, it was just a weird couple of days in Detroit surrounded by two, two like, and then three games at home and back on the road next week. It's just weird, weird, weird vibes with the whole thing. And 
I don't know. Which is I'm at a loss right now. Like again, I wish there was one thing I could point to this team. And it did it did feel like that for like most of the series. Like, all right, the starting pitching just has to get better. Like starting yeah. pitching's gonna get better. Scherzer and Verlander coming back. Like, okay, they're gonna stay the ship, I'm gonna be okay. But now it's like you then you just go out there and get two hit on a Thursday afternoon and you're just left looking for answers that you really can't find. Yeah, I mean let's let's flip the script here a little bit. We've we've talked, I think, I don't wanna say negatively, but as as much as we can about how these games really went in terms of like you guys know the situation. They played poorly. We don't need to say it 100 times. We're 10, 11 minutes into the episode. I think we should at least talk about Verlander. While he did start off the first inning shaky, there were actual real good signs with Justin Verlander throughout this game that made me excited. Like, the fact that his fastball, I think, just from watching, I saw it hit 96 a couple times. Like, that to me, I go, awesome. The slider looked, like, okay at times when he was throwing the curveball, which started off a little bit rough in the first inning. I feel like got better on throughout the game. And of course, he was throwing strikes. Like he didn't really feel like he struggled. He just he just gave him the two home runs back to back. Yeah, two home runs back to back. Tigers didn't really threaten after that first inning. Something interesting Verlander did in the start where he basically threw an even amount of forcing fastballs and sliders. That's something he hasn't really done before in his career. Even last year it was about fifty a thirty, then like twenty percent curveballs. Only threw eight curveballs out of seventy nine pitches. So that could be an adjustment that Verlander's doing. It's also first start, just just a couple innings here, so not really anything to glean from that yet, but We'll see that. Uh, and he, he looked fine. He did give up a lot of loud contact, but yeah, Gomerica held most of it and wasn't really like it was like loud contact. But it was either like on the ground or like a really low sinking liner or just like a hard pop up and high in the air. It wasn't yeah. There were a lot of hard hit balls per se, but I don't I don't think that many of them were very fearful after that first inning. And I mean Verlander like throughout his career has been a fly ball pitcher who is susceptible to the home runs. That's what happens when you throw high in the zone when you throw you throw hard like Justin Verlander does. Uh, by no means is that, like, surprising when he does give up home runs like at his years in the past. And if you look at even some of his years with the Astros, like, he has given up hard hits. Like, this is not—he's not untouchable by any means in that sense, but he still is a very good pitcher. And I, I thought that his start outside of the first inning, which was was rough, as we know, was was good. I think if there was a positive to take out of this series, like, oh, Justin Verlander made two bad pitches. Relatively speaking, two bad pitches, even the one to Javi Baez, was on the black. It was a fastball on the black that he just hits a right field because Javi Baez is a bad ball hitter. Uh, but for the most part, it was two bad pitches, and the rest of the start was good. Yeah, and that's, I think, something that has been kind of critical to this Mets team so far. We've talked about it ad nauseum, that we're still yet to have a pitcher get through six innings twice on this roster, which is just crazy, this thing to say, on May 4th, for a team that came in with a rotation that had very high hopes. So you're just hoping that he does wind up steadying this thing a little bit, at least every single fifth day, him. Like he, we, okay, we got, we got Max Scherzer. Everything's okay. I mean, Justin Verlander. Oh man, I was looking up stuff on Max Scherzer in my tab. That's why I was just like, this home runs of Max Scherzer. It's, it's freaking crazy. Like what's happening here? Like, he's already given up six home runs this year. Guess, guess how many he gave up last year? Eleven, thirteen, whole year. It was close. It was yeah, really close. Good job. Yeah, but that's that's scary. Like that's terrifying. That's already that many home runs. Like I, man, we I just, I just literally, and I want I echo what he said. Like he's like, all right. This was a long layoff. It was weird to even get on the mound this time. I just want to get out there again and like do it again. And I'm like, I'm really, I'm really waiting for the next Max Scherzer because I want to see him get back to where he is. Run it back, Max. Let's go. Yeah, get like if he can get back on on pace with like the Max Scherzer that we know he can be and saw at times last year. It's unbelievably huge for the Mets. It's so valuable to get that pitcher back. Uh, in terms of the bullpen too in Game Three, because the bullpen also did hold it down. They didn't give up any runs in the three innings in relief. Jeff Brigham, your boy. I mean, you got Brigham stuff. Maybe not a minute, but maybe like fifteen seconds. I mean, it just it just looked good again. He wasn't he, he wasn't really getting any swings and misses, but he was getting some call strikes, and they just he just got the guys out like good. He brought that cutter back against lefty. That was fine. 
It was meant Dominic Leone got into the game. The um, the, Tiger. Yeah, your boy Dominic Leone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the words coming out around around him coming to the team were kind of interesting this morning. The beat writers were like, "Yeah, Dominic Leone's here. We haven't heard anything, but we haven't heard they signed him, but we see him like in the clubhouse. So I guess he's going to be on the team, which is pretty funny." And Drew Smith pitched the last inning, eighth inning, got a strikeout, yeah. looked good as always because Drew Smith's the man. Two point two five ERA on the year for Drew Smith. So if we got any positives to take out of it. Uh, those are them. They're a little bit numbered right now because, again, probably the worst years we've played in a while. But, uh, yeah. yeah, that's that's it. And truthfully, hats off to this Mets bullpen just for the year in general. Like, for as little as the starting rotation has given, like, they have been astoundingly good for what they've had to work with, which is yeah. pitching most of the innings and most of the games. A lot, a lot of innings yeah. on this bullpen's arm already. We know Adam Adovino had the rough eighth inning uh, in game one, but... It's going to happen. You can't be perfect all the time. I think I don't really want to talk about the Tigers series anymore, honestly. I uh, think the nice bow I'll put on it is I, I won the estimate. So, yeah. yay for me. Would have loved to lost this one or lose this one because it means that uh, Mets were pitching a little bit better. But I won it, so I think I've now tied up the estimate, which uh, is a perfect time to bring in Johnny's stats here for us so we can go ahead and do the estimate for the upcoming series with the Colorado Rockies, which we will preview for you guys, of course, in a second. I, I need to grab a piece of paper. I don't have a piece of paper or a pencil around me. I'm extremely unprepared. I got one local. Yeah, you got to get one. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, what's going on, John? What do you got for us? Hello, guys. I'm very sorry I missed the last episode. Um, did you, I did, wish I didn't. Do you know the secret word? Do I know the secret word? No, what's, no. I don't get I guess John. I guess John really missed the last episode. No. No. Didn't even listen yeah. to the boys. I see how it is, John. Look. Well, guys, I I knew what you were doing there. I've been going through. I've been going through it. Okay, um, I've been going through it. I. What can you say? You know, sports are an escape for us. And at the same time, there are some days and some nights where I I it's the worst thing that's ever happened to me. Sometimes you want to escape from sports. <laughs> yeah, and like look at art or things like that. And um, I was definitely feeling that on Monday night. At uh, Prudential Center. Um, but like I said, before we got going, things can only get better from here. So uh, I guess that's the modus operandi I will um, I will operate under moving forward. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I, Mark, you said you won, and you did, but I, I wish we could just shave this one. James wouldn't have such a complaint about that. Just forget this entire time happened, but it did. All right, so we got the Rockies coming into town now. Uh, team that gives up a lot of runs, team that scores a lot of runs. Both of those things lead to long games. And did you guys know the Mets are actually averaging the second longest nine inning game in the major leagues right now? That makes sense because I feel like every time we're at City Field, which is, has not been much this year because we haven't played many home games, but I'm like, the Mets have not figured out a way to play like one of these patented new two-hour, 20-minute games. They did today. It was like two hours and eight minutes. Yeah, well, that was hell. So I, I, let's maybe, yeah, maybe so we don't want this. I don't know. Well, I think a lot of it has to do with what James mentioned about Mets starting pitchers not getting deep into games, finding their rhythm, having those quick half innings. The more pitching changes you have, the longer games are going. I mean, that's just 
That's just all it comes down to. So I think it's a product of that. The Mets have had their games where they've scored a lot of runs. They've had their games where they've worked opposing pitchers, drawn a lot of walks. Obviously, that leads to longer games as well. Can I even tell you, actually, after today's, after Thursday's game, the Mets' average time of game has dropped all the way to one, two, three. About, about 18th. Wow, really? Just from today. Yeah, so they're averaging two hours and 38 minutes per game right now. Oh, that's a big Well, I guess... Yeah, I guess the sample uh, isn't big enough right now. The Marlins are number one in terms of shortest games, and they had like that one-hour, 57-minute game earlier this season, and I still think that's weighing them down a little bit, keeping them all the way at the bottom there. But anyway, so here we are. I want to know the average game time. We'll do hours and minutes. If you guys want to go seconds, maybe we do, just in case we have a tie. Probably better, so James doesn't have anything to complain about if there is a tie. the hell? <laughs> Yeah, you know, you, yeah, it's, it's the Alexis Diaz thing. It'll live on forever. But, yeah, you guys drop that down. And uh, luckily with that Alexis Diaz thing, the ball did not lie. So that's okay. That's we ball, The ball did not lie. That is true. For the second straight weekend, this would have been the case last weekend until Mother Nature got involved. Um, three games, three different start times this weekend at City Field. 7-10 on Friday, 4-10 on Saturday, and one forty on Sunday. So... Uh, a different start time for all those who have different preferences. Four ten start times electric. Four tens amazing. Are we doing seconds? Uh, Are we doing seconds? I, I, I think seconds. we should do seconds. Yeah, I threw seconds. Unless we come up with the same number, it really doesn't matter. But I like the idea of throwing in seconds. It, it fits for what I wrote down, and I'm not changing it. Oh, okay, interesting. Why do you like four ten start times? Because you can like you're not rushed to get there early. Like it's like a nice mid afternoon game, and when you're done, you still have time to like go home, maybe eat a little dinner, and then you can go out with the boys afterwards, like and still yeah. have a great night. I think that's a big not, you know, not married, not engaged, no no children, no children on the way. Start time to like, yeah, like I can, no children guy. on the way. I think yeah. guy living in New York. That's like <laughs> that's a big time of like yeah. wow, I can get a lot of things done. Because you you could have your Friday night and feel unencumbered. Because if you if you know you're getting to the ballpark early on Saturday, your Friday night's going to be managed a little bit based on that. So I can have a Friday night where I'm not thinking about the Saturday game. I can have a leisurely morning, make a nice breakfast, maybe exercise before. A little, little omelet, James? Yeah, a little omelet, some, some home fries, then get to the ballpark and have your game. You're out of there 645 now with the new rules and get dinner with, get dinner, get, like Mark said, dinner with the boys and go right out. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess we live different lifestyles. I guess that's uh, what really. it comes down to. <laughs> I guess that's what it comes down to. All right, guys, you got your, uh, you got your answers here? Yeah, I got my answer. All right. You guys ready to show them? Let's yep. do it. All right, three, two, one. Bang. Yes. Oh, I got 249.20. Um, I, I, I like 242 flat. Wow. I, that's pretty good. It's interesting that we were within seven minutes. Mark, tell the people who are just listening on audio are, uh, which, which you wrote that on. Yeah, I wrote this on um, some cardboard that I use to sell cards. Uh, and this is, a, this is a piece of cardboard I received when I bro- bought... Uh, all my Brett Beatty cards that I have because Brett Beatty's the friggin' man and he had a great series. He was a beast. But I, uh, this is the cardboard you pack in there so that you make sure the cards don't get damaged. You got to take care of the people when you're send- selling them cards and they take care of you when you're buying. So, uh, yeah, it's a piece of United States Postal Service box because they give them away for free. John, thank you for the estimate. We will, uh, we'll see you. We'll see you tomorrow maybe at City Field. We'll see you someday at City Field. And, uh, I'll be here. Yeah, well, we'll talk about this Rocky series now, me and James here, because we are seeing the Rockies for the first time this year. Are they interesting? Is that the word I want to describe them as? What do you, how would you describe the Rockies? Um, how would I describe the Rockies? The Rockies. They're they are a team. They're they're uh 
they're a team. They're they're a baseball team. I'm we can't. You, I'm not taking anything for but, granted just because no, of, like what what's happened over the last week. So the Rockies, I guess they are do have something. The biggest thing about the Rockies and been this way just for gen- a generation now is that they're just they act like differently at home versus on the road. Like they just always have. The Rockies continually run like nearly 500 records at home and play a little bit worse on the road. So again, I don't want to like I don't want that to say anything that I think about it. They're coming into the series. They're, they've won three games in a row. Their game Thursday right now has not started great, but they could be with here at worst winning three out of four games. And I don't know, like Chris Bryan is a baseball player. Ryan McMahon's a good baseball player. Um, CJ Crone, Elias Diaz has been adorned in the Mets sides forever. We're going to see Antonio Sensatella, who he gets out, he gets out of the course <laughs> field. He, he loosens that arm up, and you, you thought you've never seen a pitcher like this in your life. I don't know. I, I'm, what, what can we say? I don't, I don't even know what to say about other teams anymore. Yeah, I mean, I, Ezekiel Tovar is always my guy to watch. I, I'm excited to get to watch him up close and personal just because I'm a big fan of his. He's a young prospect. Shortstop with the Rockies. Has been struggling quite a bit this year. Um, this is his first home run this week, though. Yeah, he's 21 years old. We saw him at the Fall League when we went and met Brett Beatty, bringing it back to Brett Beatty as always. Uh, but they, they have some players on their team, like you said. Pitching-wise, that's always going to be the, uh, I don't want to say X-factor. That's going to be the wild card. That's the word I'm looking for. Their pitching is always going to be their wild card. They will be able to hit. This team is not bad offensively by any means. They can swing it for sure a little bit. Pitching is the wild card because these guys finally get to use breaking balls as soon as they leave Coors. But at the same time, you have the negative effect of leaving Colorado where you're now at normal altitude. Your body is exhausted after spending all that time at the Mile High City. Uh, it's it's interesting. Like you said, they don't really play well away from home. But honestly, if you're a Mets fan or even the Mets themselves, you should not care. You want got to come out and pound this team. You got to destroy them. No, you got. We got to go into the series pretending that they're like the thirty-two Yankees. Like you got to act like this is the. <laughs> this is you have to. You have to treat this team like they are the greatest team that's ever stepped on the baseball field. Because that's just what's going on right now. And I, we are going to miss Kyle Freeland, who has been pitching actually quite well for the Rockies this year. What you know? What I saw is on this team that I forgot about. Jerks and Profar. No old messed up callback here. A certain oh. man by the name of Brad. Foot, a.k.a. Brad Hand will be back in City Field. James, your personal favorite. Oh, God, we got to hit that guy. We don't got to hit guy. Brad. Oh, my God. There's going to be a Tommy fan versus Brad Hand that bat this series. And my, oh. my legacy is going to rely on it. Literally. that. And then another reliever I do want to mention, uh, Justin Lawrence is really, really interesting. He throws, like, submarine sidearm and throws, like, 99 miles an hour. He's got some crazy stuff. I want to shout out how short all of the relievers' names in this Rockies bullpen are. It is. It's very like, short. Justin Lawrence is the only guy who even has four syllables in his name. Pierce Johnson, Brent Suther, Jake Bird, Daniel Bard, Brad Hand, Nick Mears, Peter Lambert. So every single name in that bullpen only have two of their at least four syllables. Oh my goodness, yeah. And they have a how do they have a bird and a bard as well? It's very confusing. A bird, a bard, a hand, a mears, a Brent, a Jake, a Brad, a Nick. My goodness. What are our pitching matchups for this series? I know Sunday we said we're not quite sure yet because the Mets the off days have been weird for them. Yeah, it does feel like that's going to be Lucchese because Jose Budo was using relief on uh, Wednesday night. So it just makes, but also just for a similar amount of time that Lucchese was used. So I kind of feel like those two could piggyback again. But Friday night, we're going to have Kodai Senga versus Antonio Sensatella. For the first time ever seen Kodai Senga live, his his first time pitching in a while. Yeah, so he's got an extended rest. Yeah, it's like basically a full week off for Kodai Senga, gather himself after this first month in the States. And then Saturday, the 4 o'clock game, the... The, the young person's preferred start time, John hates it. Tyler McGill versus Austin Gomber. I'm not going to mention how Austin Gomber's been pitching this nope. year. No and comments. No comment. And then Sunday, it probably a mix of Lucchese, Abudo, and probably some other bullpenning versus Ryan Felton. 
Okay. Yeah, those those are the pitchers for the Rockies. That will be the those are the pitch you have. Those are the pitchers for the Rockies. Those are the pitchers and and for the Mets to win they have to score more runs than the Rockies. These are true yes. statements. That's a that's a that's a key way of winning baseball games, scoring more I'm runs gonna, than your opponent. I'm going to channel probably the last time we had like this weird losing stuff going on when we uh talked about, you know, how to break some bad luck here and if you got a gong, I know some of you have gongs back home, but we could really use some gong smashes like tonight or whenever you listen to this, I don't know when it's going to come out. But if you've got a gong, you got a pillow, I don't know if you have a broken mirror, throw it away. Like we need to channel some some good light, some good luck, some good vibes, some good energy because the energy's not feeling great right now. So we got we got to change that around a little bit. I'm putting no. I'm putting a spoon underneath the pillow tonight. That's a lot. You looking for snow? I'm I'm looking for snow too. Whatever. <laughs> bring the Rockies, bring some good luck, whatever it is. Yeah, if anyone watching on YouTube, I changed my microphone. Now it's like coming at like it's coming from above rather than coming from below. Maybe maybe that'll change the luck a little bit. I don't know. I don't even know. I'm gonna wear some try some wear some weird to the ballpark tomorrow because I'm going out after. So just like maybe maybe change up the vibes a little bit there. Um, I don't know. Just the last couple minutes of this episode, we should really just like peel it back and just just again just tell Mets fans it's so only 32 games into the season. Like it's still very early. Like I pulled up right here the last. Uh, this is gonna be kind of funny. The last three winners of the National League in full seasons, because it doesn't count the, the Mickey Mouse Dodgers, because they only played one twenty-seven percent of the World Series. They, and what they the played, record. they played like as many games as there were now, basically. Yeah, no, we'll we'll highlight the sixtieth game mark of the season, highlight the standings, and make let people know, like, oh, this is how fake that Dodgers World Series really was. But just again, the last three National League winners, real National League winners, all hilariously came out of National League East, which you know really helped twist the knife in this conversation a little bit more. But last year, at May fourth, Philadelphia Phillies, eleven and fourteen. Oh uh, yeah, 2021 on May 4th, the Atlanta Braves 13 and 16. 2019 on May 4th, Washington Nationals 14 and 18. Yeah, those are those are the last three teams to win the National League. Like this is really bad right now. The Mets look not that good, and we're still 500. And the last three te- teams won the National League on this date. The last three times we're below 500. I will say I'm keeping a lot of receipts, though, on Twitter right now. Oh, there's so many people talking smack, especially Braves fans in particular, and they have every right to right now, without a doubt. They're up a bunch in the division. They're looking great. But boy, oh boy, come September, October, the Mets make a run. Woo! We're going to be having some fun over here on the podcast, that's for sure. We definitely will. And I also, I still just can't, I still can't wrap my mind around the fact that everyone is, like, harping on the offense as the issue. Yeah. People love blaming this offense. This team is like 11th in all baseball and run scored. Yeah. Like, I don't know how much. Yeah. It's when the pitching isn't there, we the offense steps up, and sometimes it, it doesn't match up evenly. But uh, overall, just have to play better. Just simply have to play better and especially play better than the team that you're going up against in those games because that did not happen against the Tigers. Take care of business against the Rockies this weekend. I think we're getting good weather too, right? I think we're getting some sun finally in like 70s. Supposedly. This is what we talked about 30 minutes in the messed up podcast when the baseball is not good. How's the weather? How's the weather? Maybe uh, April showers bring May flowers. I don't know. It's, it's, yeah, it's been May. It's been raining it's still. So whatever. That entire series is May. I don't know. We're done, guys. Thank you so much for listening and watching. Uh, we just dropped the Matt Favola interview as well, so go check it out on YouTube, or if you haven't heard it on the audio side of it, make sure you go listen to that. Uh, follow us on all our social media, at MetsUp on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, New York Mets YouTube channel for the video version of this, and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Wherever you get your podcast, drop us a rating, review, download, and subscribe. What'd you have? You have one, one second for me here, James. Yeah, shout out Matt Favola, fighting fighting UFC 288 this Saturday night at Prudential Center. Everyone check out our boy Matt, friend of the podcast, friend of the Mets family. Like, he's going to just knock Drew Dober out. We're going to have a great time. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. Hopefully we see Matt Favola win, and hopefully we see some Mets wins this weekend. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you for watching, and we'll catch you after the Rocky series for hopefully way better vibes. Peace out.
Peace out, guys. See you next time.